Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Jerry Ewald, Chief Marketing Officer for Restoration of America. And today we are blessed to have a first-time guest, Robert Bork Jr., a legal and litigation communication strategist with years of experience on the national scale. He is also president of the Antitrust Education Project. Well, Robert, it is a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So before we get started, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a brief overview of who you are and what are the major projects that you've been working on right now? Sure. Uh, well, I, I spent the last 30 years uh, doing uh, corporate communication, working with uh, corporations and their counsel uh, involved in high profile, high risk litigation, helping them tell their story. I'm not a lawyer. I managed to avoid that. I was a reporter for a dozen years, uh, ending up in Washington, D.C., and then uh, quitting really uh, over what I saw as the uh, dishonesty of American journalism during my father's confirmation hearing in 1987. Uh, and so I decided to uh, get off the bench and into the game and, and, and started working on the Hill and then for in the George H.W. Uh, w. Bush administration as a speechwriter. Uh, and uh, then got into this whole uh, litigation uh, communication business. But more recently, uh, I've uh, uh, gotten into uh, defending my father's work, uh, really, which uh, in antitrust, which was his first and perhaps in many ways his most important work, which was to take on uh, a hundred years of of uh, what he called uh, anti the antitrust paradox, uh, laws that were written uh, in the beginning in the 1890s to uh, protect consumers, but weren't protecting consumers. And uh, they were in fact protecting competitors and often inefficient competitors against more efficient competitors. Hmm. Uh, and it led to a really a wholesale uh, redefinition of what antitrust is. And should be uh, and the, the book you see if you can see it uh, behind me and on the table there is the is the newest edition of the antitrust paradox which I put out two years ago uh, with a new introduction by Senator Mike Lee and a forward by me uh, the book was out of print and mm -hmm. uh, it seemed to me that it was the time to do it again to reissue it because the left in in Washington and around the country had sort of glommed on to antitrust as a weapon it wanted to use to uh, sort of layer on more and more controls over corporations and and uh, and uh, the economy really is an assault on capitalism. In fact, I think the ultimate goal of uh, many of these people uh, who are pushing these reforms, uh, left-wing reforms, uh, and and the and, to, and the destruction of the consumer welfare standard, uh, is to uh, fossilize capitalism, is to put the government fully in control of our economy. Uh, and and uh, destroy innovation and wealth creation and job creation. There there is a so lot to Yeah, no, there's a lot to explore there and we're we're really excited. We're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about that. But I think I I I want to talk a little bit about your background at first just to kind of set the stage a little bit because you have you've had a very unique experience. You mentioned your father and your father's work. So the Bork name has been, you know, associated with the uh, Supreme Court ever since Reagan nominated your father in 87 and if you wouldn't mind just reflecting on that experience that you had, because it obviously shaped your life and your, your career, uh, it, reflect on that experience 
and, and how it relates today to what we're seeing happen to conservative justice. I mean, we saw we all saw what happened to Justin Kavanaugh uh, during his hearing. And then even sitting justices like Alito, uh, you know, people like that are, are getting attacked and Thomas are getting attacked all the time. If you wouldn't mind just reflecting on that experience and how it connects to what's happening today. Sure. Well, uh, at the time, in 1987, when my father was nominated, uh, it was after uh, Reagan had nominated uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, who went through very easily, uh, and uh, elevated uh, with the elevated uh, Rehnquist to be chief, and nominated uh, uh, Antonin Scalia to be an associate justice, and they both went through fairly fairly easily. Uh, Rehnquist had some trouble, but Scalia, being the first Italian-American uh, nominated to the court, just breezed through, uh, <laughs> showing that <laughs> I think the Democrats uh, had no idea what they were getting themselves into. But um, <laughs> but uh, uh, so my father's confirmation came next. And that's when, if pardon the expression, all hell broke loose. That's right. Uh, it was it was an all out war. Uh, and uh, we weren't ready for it. The White House certainly wasn't ready for it. Uh, I often say, really, we lost that confirmation in 1986 when Reagan lost the Senate. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was pretty much over already at that point, if there was going to be any kind of fight. Uh, and, and so what happened, of course, was that uh, uh, led by Ted Kennedy and to some extent Joe Biden, takes a lot of credit for it, but had very little to do with it, um, you know, these uh, Ted Kennedy went to the floor 45 minutes after the uh, nomination and uh, denounced my father as a uh, as a racist who and and as someone who would uh, allow uh, you know America to go back to back alley abortions and mm -hmm. all sorts of just ridiculous, hideous things. Mm -hmm. it, and my father once said, "If I believed half of what they said about me, I wouldn't have voted for me." Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that was pretty bad. But of course, then it just got worse. Uh, the assault on Clarence Thomas when he was nominated, accusing him of uh, sexual harassment of uh, one of his uh, uh, subordinates of the EEOC, and then on and on and on, ultimately yeah. to Kavanaugh, uh, who was accused of being a rapist. Right. Uh, you know, no one accused my father of being a rapist. So it was uh, it just it, the the insanity of the left was willing to do anything and they'll destroy any person or institution to get their way. Yeah, and what what is their end game here, right? Is it is it just to get people not I mean obviously some of these confirmations move forward, but stacking the, you hear about the, you know packing the court, what is the end game that they're trying to accomplish here? Wow. Uh, the end game of course is to have the uh, Supreme Court be a rubber stamp for uh, their uh, left-wing socialist agenda uh, and you know for years the, the court leaned left and did this and, and affirmed many of their policies and then uh, you know over time uh, the right was able to uh, slowly uh, put justices on who brought a little more sanity a little bit more originalism a little bit more textualism back to the uh, to the interpretation of the Constitution and uh, that's unacceptable to the left the yeah. left uh, wants to use the court, as I say, as a rubber stamp. And they will, and rather than maybe wait, and, and when they have the White House, which they do now, and, and the Senate, which they do now, uh, and, and uh, of course, wait until their openings, and 
sort of do this in a natural way. Uh, they want to just, they're just fine to destroy the institution. And so that's what this assault on Clarence and his alleged ethical problems and Alito's alleged ethical problems and Gorsuch's alleged ethical problems. And now even this most ridiculous uh, charge against uh, Amy Coney Barrett that she sold her house to a conservative. Watch out. Uh, when she left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, all, it's all nuts. And they'll say or do anything yeah. to kneecap the court. Yeah, and the court's been uh, very powerful, obviously, and, and we're, we're grateful that we do have a conservative leading court at this point. Uh, can you imagine, to your point, having a rubber stamp on anything that the legislation wants to push through uh, would be absolutely devastating for us. And so it's, uh, it is quite amazing to see that, and there's no doubt uh, that that attack is happening, and it will continue to happen. But right. I think- It's all about illegitimize, illegitimizing the court now. Yeah, and and you know, I and I reflect how that experience in '87 that you went through, your father went through, your family went through, kind of shaped your your trajectory and where you are now. So let's let's bring that to you know, what are some of the other areas that the left is attacking within the justice system? And so you've been focusing on antitrust. So so walk me down that path of you know why sure. is that at risk uh, in our country and why is that so bad for the average citizen? Well, I'll, I'll try to do a little bit of history very quickly. As I was saying, my father really, when he uh, left practice of law in 1961 and went to Yale Law School, uh, he focused a lot on antitrust. And he started writing about antitrust, uh, which is, for those who don't know, uh, really about competition. Now, I would think these days we might just call it competition law as compared to antitrust because businesses aren't organized into trusts as they were in the 1890s. So. Uh, so he decided that he needed to look into this and just could not make sense of what the law was, you know, what the law said and what, how it was being applied and how the Supreme Court was interpreting it. Uh, you know, big is bad. And uh, it, was the, it was the mantra coming from the court. And, and so he wrote this book because he was actually, frankly, at that point, terrified that the left socialists were going to use antitrust as a weapon against uh, capitalism. And uh, he was right then, and it turned out he was even more, he was, he was still alive now, he would be even more right now. Because what's happened in, uh, since the book came out in 1978 and changed the interpretation of antitrust law by the Supreme Court, um, uh, what's happened is that the left in control of the uh, Senate and the Biden administration have uh, put people in charge who are revolutionaries. And I say that mm -hmm. not... Uh, in a good way, not like Thomas Jefferson was a revolutionary. I mean, like right. Lenin was a revolutionary. Right. Marxist uh, revolutionaries. Yeah. <laughs> Marxists. Yeah. In fact, they've been declared Marxist by uh, by a number of people. Yeah. Um, and what they want to do is take uh, the consumer out of the center of antitrust law, which ha the consumer has been in the center of antitrust law since 1979. Mm. Uh, and they want to insert things, all sorts of woke theories and policies. So equity would be the center of antitrust law now, and yeah. uh, labor would be the center of antitrust law now. Not the consumer. Not, not the consumer welfare standard is a neutral, small d Democrat uh, approach to antitrust. It makes you know if huh. the consumer benefits, then there shouldn't be intervention by the government. Uh, but we they don't like that. They want to they want to have the government intervene. Uh, the left does, and so they really want to put. Uh, they want to start looking at equity as a measure yes. of, uh, and you know, equity basically means that uh, 
there is no equity. There's not. There is no equitableness in the law. So therefore, they can use antitrust to stop anything. And so, and right now, hmm. the FTC and the DOJ are just flailing away at any merger or acquisition, any policy of uh, corporations that would increase their size or their wealth, even if that means uh, destroying innovation, mm -hmm. destroying wealth creation, destroying job creation uh, in the high tech sector, because they just don't like Google and they just don't like uh, Amazon. Um, and it, it's, it is uh, just an all out assault with no real thought or theory behind it, except that big is bad. So, so it is being weaponized. These antitrust laws are, are being are starting to be weaponized towards big tech and big companies. And the reason why I ask that, right, is because we're always complaining about censorship and what big tech has been doing to conservatives. But you're also seeing an attack coming from these laws to break up some of big tech. Yes, absolutely. That's what they want to do. They want to break up Amazon, if if not wholly, at least chip off pieces mm -hmm. of it, uh, Google and others. And you're absolutely right. There is there are real legitimate concerns uh, about censorship and other policies that mm -hmm. some of these companies have, but they shouldn't be addressed by antitrust law. Mm -hmm. Antitrust law is about competition. It's about the consumer. Mm -hmm. And so if the consumer is benefiting, not just on price, but in other measures as well, then, you know, as they as they do with Amazon and uh, and other uh, others of these platforms, even Walmart, you know, is 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 a big tech company now. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, then then we should leave it alone. With the, the antitrust laws, should leave it alone. If you want to address issues like censorship, there's you know Section 230. There could be we could write new laws, yeah. do different approaches to it. Um, and I agree uh, with others uh, that uh, th that's a real problem that needs to be addressed. So yeah, you know, a good point about keeping that separate. There's two separate issues here. So Breaking up big tech, for example, how does that help the left? How does breaking up big, well, it just, their view is, is that any concentration of power is a bad thing. At least, mm. let's put it this way, their concentration of power in Congress or in the White House, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. But the concentration of competitive power, say, in, you know, in the business, different sectors of business and the economy, that's a bad thing. They don't mm -hmm. like that. Um, it, which is sort of funny in some ways because the big tech companies, uh, as you know, uh, have been uh, at least privately very supportive of, of Democrats. Uh, so why are they uh, why are they attacking them? Mm -hmm. Hard to understand. But I think you have two competing visions going on. One is uh, the uh, the left's view that uh, big is bad, so we just have to attack it because it's big and wealthy and powerful. Uh, even though they are the beneficiaries of some of that wealth and power. But so is the consumer. And I think, you know, my view is that the consumer welfare standard, which was created by the Supreme Court in 1979, following the publication of my father's book, uh, The Antitrust Paradox, uh, that has been so valuable and beneficial to our economy over the last 45 years mm -hmm. that it needs to be preserved. It is the one sort of sensible approach to antitrust that has evolved over time um, to benefit our country, our you know our economy and our consumers. That it should be left alone, and not. But that's not what they want to do. They want to tear that down uh, as a uh, as the sort of mantra of, or the operating system of antitrust and replace it with all this woke stuff, which is just dangerous. 
I mean, you're, you're right on with that. It, it, it appears that a lot of these leftist policies are, are designed to destroy our economy and, and bring it down. Uh, I know that sounds like conspiracy theory, but when you look at reality of what's happening, that is what's happening. And then, you know, I'll, I'll add and I'll, I want your feedback on there's another, you know, anti-competitive practice that's taking center stage lately, and that's ESG, right? Environmental, Absolutely. social and governance. Talk a little bit about that and how that's you know, disrupting our economy and not really putting the consumer as a focal, a focal point of this. Well, it's, it's so funny because of the contrast, <coughs> excuse me, the contrast between what the left believes about bigness, uh, big is bad, uh, doesn't seem to be applied to um, uh, ESG, which frankly I refer to as the ESG cartel. It is a bigger cartel than OPEC. Uh, it makes OPEC look like a lemonade stand. Uh, ESG uh, started out, I think, as a laudable uh, view of the world, which is, hey, let's see what we can do to protect our economy, our uh, and environment. environment. Let's, you know, let's try to do what we can to uh, make sure that people are treated fairly. Uh, but it has morphed into this monstrous mm -hmm. uh, sort of global conspiracy to force corporations uh, and, you know, and governments into uh, uh, forcing uh, you know, policies, not just on the environment or, or issues of fairness, uh, but overall the control of business so that we can, they wanna drive yes. uh, fossil fuels out of the economy, drive companies like that out of business. Uh, they want to, and, they, and they, it starts naturally enough with an approach to a corporation saying would you sign on to our principles and once they do that the principles make sense once they do that the principles start to change yes. and then they start grading these companies and when I say they it starts with these NGOs like Cirrus and Climate Action 100 plus uh, mm -hmm. that uh, that sort of issue all these standards and then uh, corporations asset managers like BlackRock and Vanguard uh, and State Street, they they start uh, enforcing it, and then you have the um, the proxy management companies. There are only two; it's a duopoly uh, that uh, start pushing uh, proxy uh, votes uh, in, at these companies to change the very nature of the companies themselves, to and to and to force them through threats of coercion into doing things that they are not in their interest and not in the benefit of shareholders, right. but might be in the benefit of something called stakeholders which is an invention entirely of the left that says, you know, uh, a stakeholder is somebody who might have a sort of a, ge a generalized interest in what a company does. Uh, sure. They may not be it, but they're not owners necessarily. So uh, it, 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 is, it is truly, truly a coercive, collusive uh, program that uh, uh, ultimately is intended to uh, cripple uh, individ, you know, independent, independent management of companies. Uh, and it's a spread into the government. The SEC now has, has been pushing rules for ESG uh, and, and scoring. And it's going to be, I think, an ongoing fight for years to roll this back. And I should just say, if I can, uh, that the only resistance to this is not from the federal government, which ought to be resisting it, but in fact, but is in fact promulgating it, uh, but from Republican state attorneys general hmm. uh, who have decided 
enough is enough that the pension funds, for example, of yes. the state employees are being uh, poorly served by these ESG policies, uh, investment in ESG stocks, which typically are under underperforming non-ESG stocks, right. uh, and are cost more to uh, manage, three times more to manage. Uh, so, uh, but beyond that, they are taking it on, taking on the the, uh, the Black Rocks of the of right. uh, the world. The, they're taking on the uh, proxy management companies there and, and the insurance companies, which have been uh, dragooned into this program uh, and refuse to you know, provide insurance coverage to companies that don't have good ESG scores. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a truly, truly a revolutionary, uh, you know, a communist revolutionary approach to uh, global economic government. And it's it's frightening to watch. You 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 so said I, a lot. I, that... say, I am I'm spending all my time now. Not, you know, I spent a lot of time defending big companies from antitrust attacks by the federal government. Now I'm saying, hey, if you really want to apply antitrust law, apply it to these ESG uh, outfits. You know, to these 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 companies that are colluding, these organizations that are colluding with each other. Yes. Because they are truly in violation of Section One of the Sherman Act. Uh, they are truly in violation of uh of consumer protection laws and they ought to be they ought to be stopped and they ought to be prosecuted and that's what those republican attorneys general have started to do they've started investigations they've they've testified before congress they've written letters to the leaders of these companies and not ngos saying uh we want we want to see your documents we want to see your emails we want to see mm -hmm. uh how you have uh in fact used your your power your 70 trillion dollars under management to coerce companies to do things which are not to the benefit of consumers. No, it's it's great to see this starting to be exposed, right? Because it, you you can go down many paths and you talk about a stakeholder. Who's the stakeholder? And what are they pushing for? Well, someone's making a lot of money off these policies that, as you said, are not efficient and not consumer first oriented, right? Just look at something like what happened with Bud Light. I mean, that's the that's the biggest example right now. Why would they make such a why a, a business decision like that 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 really goes against their core uh, constituent and people that that buy the product? It has to do with ESG and the investments that they get from people like BlackRock, investment organizations like BlackRock, and how powerful that are. So it almost supersedes what good business practices would be in who their audience is by going down the ESG route, and it's it's completely disruptive. But that power that an organization like BlackRock has is so big that they're yeah, afraid to I, go against it. And I would just say it. this: I wouldn't pick just on, I wouldn't pick on BlackRock exclusively. They yeah. they they're a big target because they have they are a huge yeah. company, and they have a very vocal chairman. Yeah. But there's a lot going on that you don't hear about. Uh, I've talked to a number of general counsels of corporations, who sign, you know, their companies and their boards have signed on to these principles. And the next thing you know, the, the, the principles are changing, the rules are changing, they're getting scored uh, for different things that they do. Mm -hmm. They get scored negatively if they give money to conservative organizations or to Republican candidates. They get negative scores for doing that. So this is affecting their free speech, their First Amendment rights uh, as a corporation. And then, so what happens is, uh, they, you know, the, uh, these companies uh, cause shareholder uh, proxy votes to happen at the annual meeting uh, to punish the company, to change directors, mm -hmm. 
it is you don't and you don't hear about this. In fact, there was a poll done in January that showed that about 20 percent of Americans even knew what ESG was or had ever heard of it. And then we did a poll at the Antitrust Education Project back in April, uh, showed that that number was up to about 43, 44% at that point. It's moving in the right direction. People yeah. are becoming aware. Uh, and, uh, and people are becoming more aware that their retirement savings are affected by this. Right. And they're very concerned about it, more and more. And I, and I think that's going to be the wedge that ultimately, mm. uh, you know, allows uh, these regulators, the state AGs, Republican state AGs, to push ahead yeah. and ultimately bring cases, maybe this year. I would like to see uh, some antitrust prosecutions this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really encouraging to hear that people are waking up to this. The, the, the needle's moving in the right direction. We've got a long way to go, but it's encouraging to see progress being made. And so the question that I have for you, Robert, is, you know, th you're doing so much great work here. Uh, how do we educate the public? Where can, where can the public go to learn more about this? And then what can they do about this so that they actually can make a difference themselves? Well, I, um, first of all, we're writing about it. And if you go to antitrusteducationproject.org, you can see what we've written, what op-eds I've published. Um, and, uh, and we also uh, highlight the work of others. There's also another great organization called Consumers Research, which is at the forefront of this. I would urge people to go to Consumers Research. I can't tell you what the URL is off the top of my head, but it's probably consumersresearch.org. Um, we'll put it in the description. Yeah. <laughs> okay, very good. Uh, and, uh, but all you got to do is write uh, ESG into your Google, uh, you know, uh, uh, right into Google, and you'll see there's lots of stuff being written about it now. Uh, particularly if you write uh, Republican state aid, uh, Republican AG, and and mm. ESG, you'll see what they're doing. Uh, you'll see their. I think we've published on our website some of the letters that they've written to these organizations, some of their testimony that they've given before Congress. It's very detailed, and uh, should, people should, if they have time, should read it and wake up to the fact that there's an assault on our economy that's almost almost a stealth assault because not because they're hiding these people say this stuff out in the open they put it on their website that's right. these groups do what they're about but it's just it's just not sexy i guess and so people don't really know about it and more the more they learn the more scared they get and they should be because it's Absolutely. very dangerous stuff well, Robert, uh, we're grateful for the work that you're putting into this and, and exposing the left and how they're doing this. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. And uh, God bless you. Well, thank you very much for having me on. All right. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget that by working together and staying diligent, we conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. Until next week, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.